All right, let's turn to the Word of God. I'm going to be reading to you from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, and we're going to read the first six verses. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. This is what it says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, saying I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Father, today I pray that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit as we turn our hearts to your Holy Word and give honor to your Holy Son, Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Abram was a guy who had a personal relationship with God. His walk with God began in Genesis chapter 11, there at the end, when God visits him. The beginning of chapter 12, God visits him, where he's living in a city called Haran with his dad and his brothers and their families, his extended family. And the first thing God does is separate him. I need you to separate yourself from your father's house. I need you to separate yourself from the familiar place. I need you to separate yourself from the trajectory that your life has been on to this date. Mm. And I need you to walk in a radically different direction. Mm. And I need you to go to the place that I'm showing you. And if you obey me and go to that place, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. Mm. And through you, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. Mm. But the first thing that Abram learns about what it means to walk with God is that if you're going to walk with God, you got to walk alone. First thing he understood was separation. And this is really the first thing that we discover when we truly become serious about walking with God is that there's some stuff that God has to separate us from. There's some people that God has to separate us from. There's some stuff we've got to leave behind and we've got to move in a radically different direction than we've been moving during our life. The first thing you experience when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you truly surrender your life to Jesus Christ, is separation. Hmm. And in fact, what tends to happen is that we try to have our cake and eat it too. A lot of people pretend to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ, but they're not willing to allow their lives to be separated. They still want to be connected to the old stuff. They still want to walk in the old ways. They still want to be connected to the old people. Not understanding that before God connects you with the new thing, he's got to separate you from the old thing. And so Abraham, he's got this individualistic Hmm. mindset. Hmm. It's just me and God, Hmm. which was good for the beginning, which was right for the beginning. Yeah. 
But it wasn't everything. Yeah. It wasn't everything. By the time we get here to Genesis 15, Abram has been walking with God for a number of years. He's been obedient. He's been faithful. He's been blessed financially. He's prospered in everything he's done. His enemies haven't been able to defeat him. He's won battles that he shouldn't have been able to win. And every sign of divine blessing and favor was resting upon his life. But he felt empty on the inside. Mm. And so God visits him here in Genesis chapter 15 and says, Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And Abram stops and he thinks for a second and says, that's true, but why do I feel empty? And then suddenly it dawns on him why he felt empty. He says, God, that's true. You've blessed me financially. My flocks and my herds have prospered. My servants have increased. My gold and my silver has increased. No matter what I do, even when I make mistakes, you bless me and those mistakes work out in my favor. But none of that is any, has any meaning to me right now because I don't have an heir. And when I, because I don't have an heir, I don't have a lineage. Hmm. Wow. Abram says, I got money, but I don't have a lineage. Hmm. I've got blessing in the workplace, but I don't have a lineage. Hmm. People respect me at the office, but I don't have a lineage. I've made my way to the top of my field, but it still feels meaningless because I don't have a lineage. And when Abram talked about not having a lineage, when that dawned on him, it wasn't just about not having someone to hand his money down to. It wasn't just about not having someone to hand his flocks and his herds down to, not having a son to run the company when he dies. He was actually also thinking about his walk with God. He was thinking about his relationship with God. Hmm. And he began to realize that I wish I had someone to hand down this this walk with God to. A child to teach how to walk with God the way I've walked with God. And he says, God, at the end of my life, it's meaningless Because I don't have a lineage. You know, this is playing out in the world even as we speak. Because when we're young, the stuff we think we want Mm. is money and fame, Mm. success. Mm. To make a contribution. To make an impact. To do work that's worthwhile. To fulfill our goals to satisfy our desires and to fulfill dreams and visions of what we want to accomplish in the world. Mm. But I see it all the time that there are people who actually accomplish all that and then come to the end of their line, the end of their road, Mm. and say, so what? It feels meaningless. It feels empty. And so God, he hears the cry of Abram's heart. And the first thing he does in response to the cry of his heart is give him a promise. You're not just going to have success in the workplace. You're not just going to be at the top of your field. You're not just going to have an impact in the world. You're going to have something more. You're not even just going to have a great walk with me, an individual, you and me walk with me. You are going to have a lineage. Abram, I promise you, you are going to have a lineage. Everything that I've given you, I'm going to give you individuals to hand it down to. 
And it's not going to be your servant. What's wrong with this servant? What's wrong with Eliezer? It was a business relationship. Hmm. Abram, at the end of his life, realized that all he had were business relationships. He was longing for something more. He was longing for something deeper than business relationships. And God says, I'm going to give you an heir. Hmm. And everything I've given you, nothing of it is going to be lost. Because the revealed things belong to you and to your children forever. I'm going to give you children who are going to receive the revealed things and hand them down from generation to generation to generation. This was God's vision for the people of God from the very beginning was that the people of God would be a lineage, a living legacy of faith. This was God's vision. A lineage, a living legacy of faith. You remember in Matthew chapter 22 when the Pharisees or the Sadducees, they were questioning Jesus about the resurrection and they thought they had him. They said, uh, uh, teacher, there was a man who had a wife and the man died and his brother took her. It was Jewish custom. His brother married her and the brother died and then his, the next brother married her and then he died and there were seven brothers and all seven of them died And the woman was married to all seven of them. And then she died. So in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? They thought they had him. And Jesus responds to these Sadducees. And he says, you are in error, knowing neither the scriptures nor the power of God. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but all all are like the angels. But then he says, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, he realized that was the issue at hand. Concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that God said he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? Hmm. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Do you hear what he says? God is not just the God of Abraham. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is the God who reveals himself within a lineage. He is the God who reveals himself as one generation declares his works to another. That is, if you want the full picture of who he is, you can't stop with Abraham. you got to go to Isaac. You can't stop with Isaac. you got to go to Jacob. You can't stop with Jacob. you got to go to the 12 sons. You can't stop with the 12 sons. you got to go to Moses. You can't stop with Moses. you got to go to Joshua. You can't stop with Joshua. you got to go to David. You can't stop with David. you got to go to Solomon. You can't stop with Solomon. In other words, you've got to look at the whole lineage, and this is why all were... Three out of the four Gospels start, well, two out of the four Gospels, start with a genealogy. Yeah, yeah. Abram begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot the 12 sons of Israel. And these genealogies take you through the lineage to demonstrate how from one generation to the next, there has been a continuity of divine revelation in which God consistently reveals himself from one generation to the next, but not just continuity, but there's also a uniqueness from one generation to the next, a uniqueness of the way in which God reveals himself, but the one factor that holds it all together, that maintains that transfer of revelation from one generation to the next is covenant. Yes. Wow. He reveals himself in a lineage through covenant. Wow. And so God says, Abram, first I'm giving you a promise, then I'm going to give you an illustration. Go outside, look up at the stars, count them. Lord, I can't count them. That's how your kids are going to be. Your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky. Your descendants are going to be like the sands of the sea. You're going to have more heirs than you know what to do with. They're going to go far beyond you, your descendants. 
descendants who know me the way you know me, who walk with me the way you walk with me. He gives them a promise, then he gives them an illustration, and then he gives them a covenant. Now I need you to go get a heifer, and I need you to go get these birds. I need you to cut them in half. And Abram, he goes and he gets the animals and he cuts them in half and he he stands and he beats off the buzzards and he has to fight to stand in position as God is coming to make covenant with him. Listen, whenever God calls you to the place of covenant, there's some buzzards that you have to beat off. Because as soon as you make a sacrifice and lay it out before God, you expect the fire of God's going to come within 25 seconds, and it doesn't happen that way. Abram had to fight off the buzzards all day long as his sacrifice began to rot and stink in the heat. There's so many times where we make sacrifices before God, and our sacrifices seem to sit out in the sun and rot in the heat, heat, and we don't see an immediate response from God, and so we just walk away and let the buzzards eat our sacrifice. But Abram stood his ground and beat off the buzzards get off of my sacrifice sometimes you got to stand your ground when you're standing in the heat of summer over your sacrifice you got to guard your sacrifice because the enemy will come to devour your sacrifice but Abraham said if I'm going to make it to the place of covenant with God I've got to guard my sacrifice realizing that God called him to the place of sacrifice because he wanted to make covenant with him Isn't that what Psalm chapter 50 verse 5 says? Gather to me my faithful ones, those who have made covenant with me by sacrifice. He's gathering the ones who have made covenant with him through sacrifice. The ones who have stood over their sacrifice and beat off the buzzards and fought to stand their ground to maintain their sacrifice. He beats off the buzzards Mm. and then at sundown, God comes. And what he does is he puts Abram into a deep sleep. And he comes as a smoking fire pot and he passes through the pieces. This is how they made covenant in the ancient world. If I were to make a covenant with you in the ancient world, we would take an animal, cut it in half, lay out the pieces, take hands with one another, pass between the pieces, and we would, sit, we would state the terms of our covenant with one another, the terms of our promise. And that covenant would mean, if I break this covenant with you, may it be to me as it was to this animal. Notice God and Abram do not pass through the pieces together. God puts Abram to sleep and God passes through the pieces. He says, Abram, if you and I walk through these pieces together, I'm going to have to cut you in half one day. I know that you can't live up to the covenant that I'm making with you, but I take full responsibility for the covenant. I am the God who passes through the pieces on your behalf. It's my covenant and I'm making it with you. I'm bringing you into the covenant, but you're going to be passive in this covenant. You're simply a recipient of the promise and your only job is to believe me when I say I'm giving you a lineage. Wow. And Abram believed God. Mm. God said, that's enough. You're righteous. So first God gives him a promise. Then God gives him an illustration. Then God gives him a covenant. Mm. Yeah. And then God gives him a son. Wow. But when God gives him a son, the next thing he does is he gives him a process for bringing that son into the covenant. Hmm. It's called circumcision. Wow. It's not enough for your sons to know the history hmm. of how I made covenant with you, Abraham. Hmm. It's not enough for you to teach them the history of the covenant. Hmm. You've got to bring them into the covenant. Hmm. And it's going to be painful for them. Wow. Every generation Hmm. is to be brought into the covenant. 
through circumcision, the removal. Just as I cut you out of Haran and brought you out of your father's house, your sons are going to be brought into the covenant by cutting off the foreskin of their flesh. Mm. It's the sign. Mm. It's the sign that they're of the lineage. It's the sign in their bodies that they are of the lineage. It's the sign in their flesh. In the ancient world, all business deals were done in bathhouses where all the men would gather in the bathhouses and you could literally look around the bathhouse and see physically those who were sons of Israel and those who were not. You could see the covenant of people with God because the sign of the covenant was in their flesh. They were missing something that everybody else had. Something had been taken from them that that had not been taken from anyone else. There was a sign of the covenant, and they were brought into the covenant through a process. Wow. Wow. He says, Abram, your sons are going to surrender their bodies Mm. to this covenant. They're going to present their bodies. That's how they come into the covenant, by presenting their bodies. And then Paul says to us, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. You see, the covenant is no longer about cutting off a piece of skin. Now the covenant is about cutting off a piece of your heart. It's about surrendering your body to God and allowing God to remove the foreskin of the flesh from your soul. And so what we see again and again and again is the renewal of the covenant. Yeah. The renewal of the covenant through circumcision. Wow. And so Jesus, the first thing he does when he begins his earthly ministry is not go out and heal. It's, it's not, I mean, yes, he does some healing and he does some casting out of demons, but the first thing he does, the most important thing he does is he creates a covenant community. He calls Matthew the tax collector, and he calls Peter and James and John, and he calls uh, uh, um, Bartholomew and Alphaeus, and, and he calls all of these disciples and Judas, and he calls them together and makes them a covenant community. From the very beginning, he yeah. puts together this covenant community to make it clear that this is not one-on-one. This is not about me and you. He doesn't call Simon and say, Simon, it's just me and you. It's just a one-on-one. No, no, no. Simon, you're going to walk in covenant. Yeah. Even when Simon fell away and Jesus restored him, he said, when you have returned Encourage, strengthen your brethren. He says, if you love me, feed my sheep. He was bringing him not just into a restored one-on-one relationship with him, but into a responsible covenant relationship with his brothers and sisters. He says, if you love me, it's not enough for you to sit in a room and love me by yourself. You've got to love what I love. You've got to feed my sheep. You've got to care for my lambs. Too many of us claim to love Jesus, but want nothing to do with his sheep or his lambs. Not realizing that the Cain spirit has infiltrated the church. Whoa. Where's your brother Abel? Am I my brother's keeper? What's that got to do with me? Wow. I have no responsibility for anyone but me. Am I my brother's keeper? That Cain spirit that says, I'm only responsible before God for me. Mm. It's just me and Jesus, and we begin to approach church from a consumer mentality where the church becomes a spiritual grocery store, a religious grocery store of religious goods and services, and we can just walk the aisles, take what we want, what we personally feel we need, go to the counter, scan all of our items, pay for it with our tithe, and then go home and consume what we want 
at our own pace and according to our own desire. No responsibility. God has not envisioned the house of God, the church, to be a grocery store. It's yeah. not a grocery store. It's a household. Yeah. In a household, I can go to the kitchen and eat what I need, but I've got to clean up after myself. I've got to make sure that the other brothers and sisters in the church, in the house eat as well. Yeah. That is, in a family, we are responsible not only to take care of ourselves, but to take care of one another yeah. as well. And so God has determined, and Christ determined from the very beginning, yeah. that we cannot grow to full maturity in our walk with Him without responsible membership in the body of Christ yeah. without our covenants with one another we never grow to maturity with him yeah. the grocery store mentality says I'll shop at this grocery store this week I'll shop at another grocery store next week I'll shop at another grocery store next week I'll shop at another grocery store next week and you know what is that a sin no you simply will not grow to maturity yeah. in your walk with Christ yeah You'll simply be stuck where you are. Why? Because what you receive in any place will always be determined by what you think you need mm. and by what you think you want. Mm. But in a family, if you've got multiple children, you know this well. Mm. I don't have multiple children, but I could speak as an observer that when there's multiple children in a house... The older children learn really quickly and at a young age how to take even a small degree of responsibility and a growing degree of responsibility for the younger children in the house. Yeah. And that's part of their maturation process. Yeah. That's part of their growth and development. To be a part of the family that contributes something yeah. that adds to the well-being of the family. Yeah. We cannot grow to maturity without family. Yeah. And when we're talking about the church being a covenant community, we're talking about the church being community. Uh, we're talking about the church being a family. Yeah. And at the end of the day, covenant without community is empty. Yeah. And community without covenant is empty. Yeah. Neither of them have any inherent value in themselves. But covenant community, yeah. when we come together to declare that we intend fully from the depths of our being mm. to live out our covenant with God mm. in faithful relationship with one another, mm. that is the recipe for growing up in, into all things into him who is the head. Maturity comes through covenant community. So good. And this is what God promised Abram. Mm. I'm not just going to bless you financially. I'm going to give you a lineage. Mm. I'm not just going to bless your vocation and make you successful. Mm. I'm going to give you a lineage. I'm not just going to increase your respect in the workplace. I'm going to give you a lineage. I'm not just going to bless you with impact in the world. I am going to give you a lineage. Mm. In church, what God has called the house of God to be, what God has called the body of Christ to be, is a lineage. Yeah. And this, this is our lineage. This is our lineage. Yeah. And in this lineage, 
we experience the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And you know what? I can speak of the God of Peter and Diane Robinson, the God of Robert and Diane Daniels, the God of Kirby and Sandra Clements, the God of Mike Perkinson, the God of Sam and Linda Huddleston. When I come into contact with these individuals, I want to know the God that they know, but I can speak of them I can speak of God in those terms, not simply because I know these individuals, but because I'm in covenant with them. The the fruit of my covenant with them, that I've walked in covenant with them, I've made myself accountable to them. Mm. They've made themselves accountable to me. I've taken responsibility in my relationship with them. They've taken responsibility in their relationship with me. Me and my wife can say, I want to know God this way. Why? Because we've walked in covenant. This is what we're supposed to experience in the body of Christ. You should be able to say, I want to know the God of Benjamin and Sonny Robinson. Yeah. But you know what? I want to know the God of Chinwe and Dairo Venable. Yeah. I want to know the God of Daniel and Aaron Kim. Yeah. I want to know, I want to know the God of Vern and Larry Ann Davis. Yeah. You know? I want to know the God of Kay and Jerry Pack. Yeah, yeah. I want to know the God of Chris and Christine Huang. Yeah. I want to know the God of Chung and Amy. I want to know the God of Kendra. Yeah. I want to know the God of Julie Maldonado. Yeah. That is, in every, in the life of every believer, there's yeah. a uniqueness to your relationship with God. That only you can give. Yeah. Only you. You have a relationship with God that no one else has. Yeah. And in covenant with one another, we come to know the God wow. of Abram, Abraham, uh, Isaac, and yeah. Jacob. But we also come to know the God of one another. Yeah. Only so in covenant. Yes. And so in this series, the Spirit of God is inviting us to relate to the church the way he designed it. Wow, yes. According to covenant. Yes. Because if we relate to the, the church according to covenant, that's where we begin to truly experience the discipleship of Jesus yeah. that brings us to full maturity wow. as sons and daughters of God. Amen. Let's pray. So good. Precious Heavenly Father, I thank you today mm. that you are inviting us. Yeah. You said that those who were not a people would one day be called the people of God. Mm. You said, I will call them my people who are not my people. Mm. And my beloved who were not my beloved. Wow. And in the very place where it was said, these are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. Mm. And Lord, the scripture says that you bring the orphans into families. Mm. That's what you do. You're the father to the fatherless. You're the defender defender of widows. And you bring the orphans into families. And that's what you want. Father, help us as a church to be the family of God. Help us as a church to be the family of God. And to live that out in covenant relationships with one another. Not just individually, but as a house that we would covenant with this house which has been established by your hands and that in this house, in our covenant relationships with one another, you would bring us to full maturity in Christ. Lord, I speak your blessing over each and every one of these sons and daughters of yours and I pray that these words would go down into our deepest parts 
and reap a harvest. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen Amen. Amen and amen and amen. amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We love you.